This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alex Ty. And I'm Alice Dempster. It's Tuesday the 7th of August. In your squiz today, the Matildas do it again. An investigation of a fatal luncheon, Niger's on a knife's edge, and them's fighting words. This is your squiz today. I don't know about you, Alice, but I was very happy to sacrifice some sleep last night to watch (laughs) the brilliant Matildas do it again. Mm -hmm. They beat Denmark in their World Cup match, two goals to nil. Yeah, I love my sleep, Alex. But when you get an incredible result like last night's, it doesn't hurt quite so much to miss some. (laughs) The Aussie women were in control of the game from start to finish. Denmark never really got much of a chance. The first goal came 30 minutes into the first half with Caitlin Ford shooting through the goal. Lee's legs. Mm. And goal number two came in the second half and it was just as delicious. It saw <laughs> Hayley Rasso claim her third for the tournament. With Mary Fowler, the brilliant midfielder, being behind both of those goals, actually. Mm, yep. And all of this happened before Sam Kerr had even got out of her tracky dacks. She ran on with 11 <laughs> minutes left in the game for the first time in this World Cup. It was a great moment. Yeah, it really was. And her huge smile was met by loud cheers from the 75,000 at the stadium in Sydney. Last night's win is an equal best World Cup performance for Australia. It's the fourth time we've made it through to the quarterfinals. We haven't ever progressed to the semis, but after last night's performance, you've got to think that we've got a real chance to get through. Yeah, I I really hope that's right. (laughs) And as for what's next, it's likely that we'll play France in the quarterfinal in Brizzy on Saturday Arvo. France play Morocco tonight, so keep an eye out for that. Long story short, after tomorrow night, there will be eight teams left, and after Saturday, there will be four teams left. So let's keep this good thing going. (laughs) I don't know what to think about this story, Alice. Police are ramping up an investigation into a family lunch which has so far killed three of the diners and left a fourth man in hospital. So this lunch happened about a week ago in the Gippsland region, which is in Victoria's southeast. Police believe a 48-year-old woman served a dish that had death cap mushrooms, which are highly toxic for anyone who's not aware, to those people. But it's not yet clear whether she ate the same dish. What we do know is that a 66-year-old woman and her 70-year-old sister both died on Friday and a 70-year-old man died on Saturday. The other man in critical condition in hospital has been named in reports as 68-year-old Ian Wilkinson. He's the pastor of the local Baptist church. And it's worth mentioning, Alex, that the woman who police believe served the meal is a daughter-in-law of one of the couples. She was interviewed by A Current Affair last night. Her name is Erin Patterson, and she says that she's devastated that they're gone, but that she didn't do anything. She was also interviewed by police over the weekend. That's right, but she was released after that. The detective inspector also made clear yesterday that even though the homicide squad is investigating the deaths, it doesn't automatically mean that the deaths are suspicious. He said, quote, at this point in time, the deaths are unexplained. 
Alice, the report from the ACT's Sofronoff inquiry has been officially released. And if you're thinking, don't we already know about this report? You could be forgiven because, yes, it was leaked to the media last week. Mm -hmm. But now it is officially out in the open. So this inquiry has to do with the criminal case against Bruce Lerman for the alleged rape of Brittany Higgins and how that prosecution of Lerman was handled As you say, Alex, that inquiry report was finished last week and handed to the ACT government. They were planning to take their time to consider the report, but they had to get their skates on once it was out there in the public domain. As for what's new now, that would be the ACT government recommendations. To summarise, they said they'd accept all 10 recommendations of the report, which stretch from setting up a new complaints mechanism for the ACT prosecutor's office and the police, to training police officers on how to better handle notes from counselling and when to charge someone with sexual offences. And of course, Alex, we also know that Shane Drumgold, the guy in charge of the case, has stood down. On Drumgold, the ACT government said it has already conducted a preliminary review of the 18 criminal cases that he was part of since his appointment as the Director of Public Prosecutions in 2019, but that it won't be reviewing them further. And on the leaking of the report by Walter Sofronoff himself, the leader of the ACT, Andrew Barr, said that that was a significant lapse of judgment that left him extremely disappointed. To international politics now, we talked about the African country of Niger on the podcast recently, Alice, when a military leader there orchestrated a coup against the democratically elected president. Mm. And the situation has only gotten worse since. That's right. Niger's neighbours are now in danger of being drawn into the situation. A block of 15 nations that includes Nigeria and Ghana has raised the possibility of intervening in Niger if the military leader doesn't hand back power to the president. But on the other hand, a second group of neighbours, including Mali and Burkina Faso, have said that they'll view any outside military intervention in Niger as a declaration of war. France and the European Union had been sending aid to Niger. They say that's stopped now. And the US is negotiating with the coup leaders for an end to the military takeover. The international context here being that the US is worried that Niger's military coup leaders want to align themselves with Russia, which the US does not want to see. And the latest is that the coup leaders have closed the airspace above their country in an effort to deter foreign intervention. I cannot believe we are still talking about this, Alice, but Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are still posting about cage fighting each other. (laughs) And they're some of the richest people in the world. So like it or not, it is news. Squizzes might remember, Alex, that the two tech billionaires first started talking about this cage fight you're referring to back in June. (laughs) That was the week before Zuckerberg's company launched the Threads app, which is a rival to Elon Musk's social media platform X. Of course, that was called Twitter at the time, but that's now changed. All the fight talk had faded away completely, but over the weekend, Musk decided to reignite the chatter. There was a bit of back and forth. Musk posted about bringing weights to work. Zuckerberg then said he's proposed the 26th of August for the matchup, but said that he wasn't holding his breath. Musk then responded to that by saying that the match would be live streamed on X. 
<laughs> and that's the other funny thing about this story, Alice, that they are dissing each other, but they're both doing it on their own social media platforms <laughs> that they own, which might make you think that this is all a publicity stunt, but some serious tech journalists actually think this might happen. So I suppose we'll just have to wait mm-hmm. and see. It has been just over three weeks since the release of Barbie, and Warner Bros. wants the world to know that the film has grossed one billion US dollars. Yeah, so they've put out a press release, and the studio says that the Barbillion milestone, that was a quote, was a watershed (laughs) moment. Adjusting for inflation, only 50 or so films have hit that mark, and it makes the Barbie director Greta Gerwig the first solo female director to make the Billion Club. Squiz the day, Alice. We have got company results for James Hardy out today. And if you want to know why that matters, Claire has got a Squiz Shortcuts coming out this Thursday, all about company reports and reporting season. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably also a good time to mention that if you haven't subscribed to the Squiz Shortcuts feed in your podcast app, it might be a good thing to do this morning. That is all for us today. Thank you so much. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.